It is the best-selling book in history. No volume ever written has been more loved and quoted. And its words, sometimes simple and sometimes mysterious, should always be studied carefully. It is the Bible, the Word of God. Welcome to Bible Answers Live, providing accurate and practical answers to all your Bible questions. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this broadcast, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, here's your host from Amazing Facts International, Pastor Jean Ross. Although much of the area around a pool is exposed rock and the little fish cannot see from one tidal pool to the next, it never misses. How does this fish know just how far to leap and in what direction? Scientists have discovered that when the tide is in and covers the rocks, the little fish swims around and memorizes all of the bumps and the hollows so that when the tide is out, it knows exactly where to jump. In other words, this amazing fish is able to pre-memorize the shapes of all of the rocks and then calculate where the water will pool. How would this small fish have enough wisdom to go about in advance and learn all of that? Well, stay tuned for more as Amazing Facts brings you this edition of Bible Answers Live. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, accurate and practical answers to your Bible questions. Hello, friends. Welcome to Bible Answers Live. And as the name says, this is a live international interactive Bible study. My name is John Ross. Pastor Doug is out this evening, but we are ready to take your Bible questions. So if you have a Bible-related question, the phone line here to the studio is 800-463-7297. Again, that's 800-463-7297. We're also live streaming this on our Facebook page. You can go to the Amazing Facts Facebook page. And you'll be able to see the number there, and you'll be able to see us here in the studio. And then joining us here in the studio is Pastor Carlos Munez, who is going to be working the phones and helping me answer Bible questions. Pastor Carlos is one of our Amazing Facts speakers. He's our Spanish evangelist, also the director of our training school. So we're just delighted that he's joining us. And uh, Pastor Carlos, before we get to the questions, it's always a good idea to start with prayer. Definitely. Maranata. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, another beautiful day of life, and we thank you for this opportunity to come together and spend time in your word with uh, the, those callers and those that are listening and watching. And so we just ask that your spirit guide us, give us the discernment and the, the knowledge so that we can have a deeper understanding of your word and a closer understanding of you. So we thank you, Father, for this, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Carlos, we spoke at the beginning of the program here just as we, uh, just before we went on the air, we spoke about this little fish. You were actually able to pull up a picture of the bathygobus, which is very small. I mean, it's probably, what, about an inch, maybe an inch. Yep. And, um, you know, it swims around in these tidal pools, and he's able to jump from one tidal pool to the other without landing on the rocks. And uh, a little bit of research that I was doing on this, uh, this is not just a three-inch jump. Some of these fish can jump as much as six feet from one tidal pool to another. It's amazing. So to get, you know, almost they have to have a running start. <laughs> I'm sure. leap out of the water. And yet they always seem to get it just right in the right direction. And, of course, scientists are intrigued by this. And they want to know, how do these fish do this? And as I mentioned in the fact, they actually have a way of pre-memorizing all of the nooks and crannies in the rocks when the water's there. 
And then the amazing thing is they're able to calculate where the water will pool. And then with total confidence, they jump from one pool to the next. And you know, how do these little things that brains are probably the size of, of, of a pinhead able to figure this all out? Well, of course, God takes care of his creatures, Amen. as the Bible says. And um, not only does God provide the skills and the abilities for his creatures to thrive, but of course, God is the source of all wisdom and knowledge. And God wants us to be able to make wise choices. Our lives sometimes might seem as though we're leaping in faith, not quite sure. But God wants to give us wisdom to help direct us so we know which way we ought to go. I was reminded of a Bible verse in James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. So then we have a problem that if we, a promise that if we're looking for wisdom, God is the source of wisdom and he's willing to give it to those who ask. Amen. Yeah. I was just thinking, I, I, can some, I can't find my key sometimes. Some basic <laughs> stuff. It's interesting because, you know, that what that fish does is he, he prepares. Beforehand. He has a time of preparation. And yeah, so I was just good. thinking spiritually, you know, when, when time of harvest, when we're, we're blessed to have the, all the liberties and the freedoms we have, take advantage of it because there's going to be a time of of need of lack got to store up the word in our minds just like that fish storing up those rocks in in its mind we got to store up the word of god and that's going to be our safety friends we have a book we'd like to make available to anyone who is listening or if you're viewing this on um, our facebook channel it's entitled knowing god's will and uh, the book is in co- entitled actually life in the spirit is what the book's called and we'll be happy to send this to anyone who calls and asks. Now, if you're in North America, you want to call and we'll send you the book. If you're outside of North America, you can go to the Amazing Facts website and you'll be able to read the book for free. We have a library and you can actually type in there, Life in the Spirit. You can read the book. But uh, call and we'll send it to you. If you're in North America, the number is 800-835-6747. That is our resource phone line. And if you call, just ask for the free offer. It's Life in the Spirit. And we'll be happy to send it out to anyone who calls and asks. All right, Pastor Carlos, I think we are ready for our first caller this evening. All right. We've got Chris in Florida. Chris, welcome to the program. Yes, Pastor. Hello. Hi, we can hear you. Yes, thank you very much for taking my uh, call. Well, thanks for calling. I have a quick question uh, to help me understand the verse from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 8, 9. All right, let me read that for those who might be driving in their car. It says, but... And I am driving too, so... Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, let me read it for you. It says, but be aware, lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. Yes. So what freedom is he talking about? Freedom in Christ? Yes. Let me explain a little bit. The situation that you find happening here, of course, Paul is writing to believers in Corinth. There were both uh, Gentile believers and also Jewish believers that made up the church mostly Gentiles, though, in the city of Corinth, there were still some of the Jewish believers that, um, well, were rather concerned, and, and some Gentile believers as well, who were concerned about eating food from the marketplace that had been offered to an idol. And so there was a little bit of a dispute amongst the believers, some saying you shouldn't eat it, some saying you should eat it. Uh, Paul says, you know, if it's good food and it's, it's sanctioned by the Word of God, in other words, it's clean food and you can eat it, um, you know, if it's offered to an idol or not, don't ask. It, you can eat it. You're okay. That's, you know, we, we know that these idols are nothing. But he says if it's going to make a brother stumble who might be weak in the faith, he won't do that. 
And so that's really the issue that's been addressed there, had to do with uh, those new believers who perhaps were weak in the faith. And I think the principle for that, Pastor Carlos, even today, is that in our Christian experience, you know, let's be sensitive to new believers who might have just come to an understanding of Christ, who might be growing in their faith. And the last thing we want to do is say something or do something that's going to weaken their commitment to Christ. And that's good counsel that Paul is giving us. Uh, does that help, Chris? Yes, but is he talking about freedom only in eating or, or in general? Well, primarily it had to do here with eating because that was a, an issue that was being discussed. If you read up a little bit further on, it actually talks about the food that was offered to the, to the idol in the marketplace. So that was the context. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. All right, you're welcome. I was going to say, Paul mentions something very similar that came to mind in Galatians chapter 5. He says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Ah, so a similar thing was happening in Galatia, and Paul wrote a letter there where there was this a similar issue that Same was thing. occurring. All right, who do we have next? Next we have uh, Charles from Newport, Ritchie, Florida. Hello, Charles. Hey, how's it going? We're blessed. How are you doing? What's your question for tonight? My question for tonight is this. Um, I know it's wrong to spend money on the Sabbath, but what if you're spending money for, like, medicines for your health, like cough syrup, cough drop? Yeah, it's a good question. Good question. Now, the principle there is, you know, even Jesus explained that it's good to do good on the Sabbath. So if you can help um, someone who's suffering on the Sabbath, then that means going to the pharmacy and buying some medicine to relieve pain or suffering on the Sabbath, that is in harmony with uh, the Sabbath principle. That's different than, you know, shopping for a new car on the Sabbath or doing your regular monthly grocery shopping. We want to do that a different time. But this is sort of an emergency situation. It's for the purpose of relieving suffering and pain. And yes, it is appropriate if, you know, it'll help to get some medicine, uh, especially if it's life-threatening. The last thing you want to do is, you know, Say, well, we don't want to go help this person. Um, and, you know, I think that's true even in other circumstances on the Sabbath. If if somebody is in um, physical need, you need doctors to still help, uh, to help take care of emergencies. Emergency, yep. uh, those, those things are imp- are appropriate uh, with, with the Sabbath truth. Um, does that help, Charles? It actually does. The reason I was asking that question because I am, I'm just now getting over COVID. Mm-hmm. We've, you know, me and my family, work, we've been, we're COVID-free. But I had to spend money on the Sabbath to try to get the medicines that I needed for, like, shingles and the uh, uh, my uh, my puffer and everything. Sure. So that's the reason I was asking. So. Yeah, perfectly appropriate yeah. to uh, provide medicine on the Sabbath to, to relieve suffering. That's, that's in harmony with the spirit of the Sabbath. Thanks for your call, Charles. Appreciate that. Uh, who do we have next? Next we have uh, Neville from New York. Hello, Neville. You're on the air. Hi. Pastor John and Pastor Carlos, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Bless, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I just have a question. So um, I was reading Romans chapter 10 and verse 11, um, and I can read it here very quickly. It says, For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was wondering about what the word ashamed means. So I wanted to look up the scripture that Paul was referencing. And my Bible points me to Isaiah 28 and verse 16. Um, so in Isaiah it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. 
So in Isaiah, the word haste is used, but in Romans 10, 11, the word ashamed is used. So I'm trying to understand what does it mean exactly when it says ashamed in Romans 10, 11, because the cross-reference verse, um, it, it didn't help my understanding at the time. Sure. Absolutely. Good, good question. Now, often you'll find in the New Testament when the apostle is quoting from the Old Testament, he will sometimes quote, um, obviously, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, the New Testament is written in Greek. Uh, they would often quote from the Septuagint, which was the Greek version of the Hebrew Old Testament. They didn't always quote exact word for word, but they would get the key idea that they wanted to emphasize. Of course, Paul was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, and if you look at the context of Isaiah 28:16, the cornerstone there is referring to his Christ. And here, Paul, this is one of my favorite verses, by the way, Romans chapter 10, verse 11, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, or that's the New King James, or will not be ashamed. He's encouraging believers to put their faith in Jesus. He is the cornerstone that was rejected by the master builders, but in reality, it was the foundation that held up the whole, the whole temple, the whole house. And um, he's emphasizing the fact that the believer puts their faith in Christ. The promise is they won't be ashamed. Okay, yeah, that actually makes it more clear for me. Thanks for answering my question. Yeah, great question. Thanks for asking. All right, who do we have next? Next we have E. Frank from Astoria, New York. Hello, E. Frank. Hi, Frank. You're on the air. Yes, hello. Are you there? We can yep. hear you. Yep. hear you. What's your question? Yes, uh, good, after, uh, good evening, Pastor Ross, and good evening, uh, Pastor uh, Carlos. Uh, my question for you two gentlemen tonight is the following. I, I just want to ask you. Is it stated in any scripture in uh, the entire Holy Bible that it is sinful to believe in the creations of the universe? I was told at one time uh, in a science club that I should not be believing in what I believe, the Voyager 2 exploratory probe and other type of uh, space exploration um, vehicles. Is it sinful to believe in that? No, I don't think so. Uh, matter of fact, we have a verse in Psalms 19, verse 1. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. So, and then it goes on to say, the firmament shows his handy for, or his handiwork. So when one gazes up into the sky, and the more we learn about um, you know, the planets and the stars and the suns and how big the universe is, and you know, our little Milky Way galaxy is just one of billions and trillions of galaxies we can't even begin to count we begin to get a picture of how big god is and uh, how that all of these different systems move around in um, different orbits and patterns and it's really a revelation of god's power and his creative uh, ability and so yes the bible actually says the heavens declare the glory of god yeah it's actually i i, I came to under to know that god exists was through science ecosystems, the order, order, purpose, everything had a reason to be. Yeah. And so that's actually showed me that if all of this is in order, then why is... Somebody made it. They're teaching us, yeah, that this is not random. This is just random. So yeah. it didn't make sense. Yeah. Does that help you, Frank? Yes. All right. Great. Thanks for your question. Good question. I just wanted to give him one voice. If he's still listening, Romans chapter 1, verse 20 talks about... Why don't you read it? Did you have it there? Yeah, I have it here. For the invisible things of him... Uh, from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That's right. So by seeing it, the things that are made, we get an idea of the one who made it. Exactly. It reveals to us about, about the king who made all things. All right, great question. Does your heart burn for a better purpose? Do you yearn to do more with your faith? 
Do you desire to be a powerful witness, a blaze for Jesus Christ? Where do you start? Make your first step at AFCO, the Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism. Here at AFCO, I've learned so many things and my spiritual growth has just skyrocketed. AFCO has distilled 50 years of Amazing Facts evangelistic expertise into a dynamic, professional, and educational experience that transforms the nervous Christian into a prepared and bold witness. AFCO is really about learning while doing. It's a one-of-a-kind experience for those who are serious about entering gospel ministry and those who simply want to make an impact in their local churches and communities. Go to AFCO.org today and explore this life-changing program. AFCO, equipping soul winners, setting the world ablaze for God. Amen. We have next Guy from New Plymouth. Good evening, Guy. Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, we can We can hear you. Get real close to your phone. All right. And your question tonight. Uh, why is the gate on the holy city open after the holy city comes down to earth? Okay, good question. Uh, first of all, when the New Jerusalem comes down at the end of the 1,000 years, the end of the millennium, uh, it's at that point that Jesus sets his feet on the Mount of Olives in Zechariah, and it opens up and forms a great valley, and the New Jerusalem comes to rest. All the redeemed are in the New Jerusalem. They come down with the New Jerusalem and, and with God. The wicked are then resurrected, and they're outside the New Jerusalem. And I believe at that point the gates will actually be closed because you've got the good on the inside and you've got the bad on the outside. You have the final great white throne judgment that you can read about in Revelation chapter 20. At the end of that... Every knee bows, every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even the devil himself acknowledges that God is just, God is fair. Now, that's not uh, repentance by any means on the part of the devil or the wicked. It's just an acknowledgement of the facts. Because no sooner do they say that when they're actually, the devil is able to go out and deceive. And the Bible refers to them as Mog and, and uh, Gog and Magog, uh, number as the sand of the seas. And they actually mount an attack upon the New Jerusalem. Then it is that fire comes down and devours them. So that's the final destruction of the wicked. Then in chapter 21, Revelation 21, you read about the new heavens and the new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. So when God creates the earth anew, there's no need for the gates of the New Jerusalem to be closed. But the redeemed will come in and out. As a matter of fact, it tells us, I believe in Isaiah, that from uh, one month to another, from one Sabbath to another, all will come and worship before God. They'll journey up to Jerusalem. So, all right, well, thanks for that call. Uh, who do we have next? Next we have Glenn from uh, Bethel, Ohio. Good evening, Glenn. Welcome. Yes, thank you very much for taking my call. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, there's a scripture that, uh, that I had concerns tonight that's very important at any time, and particularly I believe it's important as our national is in crisis at the time, and that is Second Chronicles 7.14. And I just wanted some clarification on some language right there, because I don't believe that the people really know know him by his name. His name is not Lord. His name is not God. His name is Yahweh. And he says, if my people, that must be him speaking, who were called by my name, will turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. If, they will, if my people who were called by my name will do that, then he says, I will hear from heaven. Mm-hmm. God will give them heaven and will heal, will uh, forgive their sins and heal their land. I just wanted to hear some clarification on who's talking and, and uh, the language. Sure, absolutely. You know, I think you're dead on when, you, when you're talking about who's speaking in verse 14. If my people who are called by my name 
humble themselves. It's really talking about the believers. In this case, in, in its broader historical sense, it's referring to Israel. Um, of course, in the New Testament era, God does not have a specific nation that he refers to as my people, but all of those who believe in Christ, they become spiritual Jews, and they, the promises, the, the inheritance of the promise made to Abraham, um, God is calling upon his people to humble themselves, to seek uh, for his blessing, to seek for guidance, and the promise is he will forgive and he will heal them. So if ever there was a time for believers, for Christians to take a hold of this verse, I think now's the time. Amen. And also in the context, it's he's talking to Solomon. Yes. And God is telling Solomon, you know, it might happen in the future that they disobey, they rebel from me, and this is the way to come back to me, right? And we have some examples where that did happen, where the Jews rebelled, and we have those in Jerusalem in particular, the Babylonian captivity, and there were those like Daniel and others who humbled themselves, who prayed, and we have that prayer of Daniel recorded in Daniel, and eventually deliverance came. They were able to return back to their ha- land, so see a fulfillment in that verse. All right, I think we have time for a few more. Before I break, uh, Pastor Carlos, who do we have next? We have here uh, Denise from Muskogee, Oklahoma. Good evening, Denise. Welcome. Hey, good evening. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you. Yeah. My question was um, based on Exodus chapter 12, verse 24 and 25, where it talks about the Passover. And it says how the ordinances uh, of the Passover should be done forever and that we should keep that service. Why don't we do that today? Okay, very good. Um, Because the Bible tells us that Christ is our Passover. Uh, We don't sacrifice lambs anymore because they all pointed to Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So as long as Israel was looking for the coming of the Messiah, that was to be a perpetual sign, a reminder, a continual looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. When Jesus came, Paul talks about the old covenant that is coming to an end and a new covenant that was coming in. When Jesus died on the cross, he brought an end to sacrifices. Yeah, and uh, praise God for that. Otherwise, we'd still be sacrificing lambs. But really, they just pointed forward to Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment. And Paul says, Christ is our Passover. So there's still a lot of good lessons we can learn because they all point to Jesus. But there's no need to sacrifice the lamb any longer. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks Thank for you. calling. All right. We have, uh, we have Pam- Pamela from California. First time caller. Pamela. Pamela. First time caller. Welcome, Pamela. Hi. Hi. Hi, hi, Pastor Doug, and I'm Ross and Carlos. Yes, thanks for calling. (laughs) (laughs) And your question tonight. Uh, My question is, I am a Christian, uh, but I haven't been baptized. And I tried to go to church to get baptized, you know, especially one on the Sabbath is worshipped on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're all closed right now due to the virus. Okay. So... Do I need to be baptized uh, by water, or did I get baptized by the Holy Spirit? That is a great question. I'm so glad you asked. You know, um, both are needed. We need to be baptized by the Spirit. We need to be baptized by water. Jesus said in John chapter 3, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom or enter the kingdom of God. So uh, there's two parts to making that profession of faith. One is we ask for the forgiveness of our sins. We get on our knees. We pray. God forgives us, we ask for the Holy Spirit. But after we receive the grace and the gift of God, we want to make a public declaration that we're on God's side. 
And the way we do that is through baptism. It's a public declaration saying, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And there is a wonderful blessing involved in baptism. I do understand, you know, in our church, we've had to try and work around some of these. We've had some folks who wanted to be baptized. We had to kind of postpone the baptism for a few weeks to try and have things settle down. But I would encourage you, uh, don't give up on the idea of getting baptized. Uh, Reach out to a good Bible-believing church or pastor and tell them that you're interested in getting baptized. And I'm sure something could be worked out. But, you know, when Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, and you can read this in in the Gospels, um, there was a voice from heaven. Actually, God spoke himself. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And uh, even though we might not hear God say that when we're baptized, we know that God is pleased because we're making a stand to follow him. And it's just a beautiful experience. So, uh, Pamela, I want to encourage you to uh, keep pursuing that and don't give up. You know, if you call one church and they close and they say, well, you know, we're not going to be open for a little while, try and connect with the past and, and share with him. Uh, does that help? Yes. Does it matter um, what church I go to as long as I get baptized? Well, I think you want to find a Bible-believing church. So one uh, of the well, things, yeah, that, yes. yeah, I would always ask, I'd say, you know, what do you guys believe? Because even on the subject of baptism, there are differing opinions. Some people say, well, you only have to be baptized with sprinkling. Others say you get baptized with, I've even heard of people that are baptizing with salt and uh, rose petals. But no, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> the Bible talks about immersion. Immersion, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, because of the symbolism that's connected with that. It's, it's death to the old, resurrection to the new. And, and also the word baptism means to be completely submerged or to be completely covered by. Oh. So to be baptized in water means you're completely covered in water or completely submerged as Jesus was in Mark. It says he came out of the water. Okay. Right? And the Holy Spirit came upon him in a mighty way. So, yes, you want to you be baptized right. You know, I would encourage you, um, Pamela, if you haven't done this yet, Amazing Facts has a set of lessons, Bible lessons. Mm-hmm. One of the topics is baptism. And it goes through all the Bible verses on that. I would encourage you, it's all free, if you would call our resource number and just ask, say, I'd like to enroll in the free Amazing Facts Bible School. They will send you the lessons, and you can read it on your own time, and it'll answer a lot of your questions. Okay. So I encourage you to do that, not only you, Pamela, but anyone who is listening. To do that, just call our resource phone line. The number is 800-835-6747. I'm going to say that again. Uh, Pamela, you might want to write it down, 800 800- Eight three five six seven four seven. That is our resource phone line. And anyone, you can enroll for free right now in the Amazing Facts Study Guide series. It's got a lot of great information. And Pamela, one more thing. When you call that number, you can ask for a book and we'll send it to you for free. It's called Baptism, Is It Really Necessary? Baptism, Is It Really Necessary? So just ask for that when you call. Say you'd like to enroll in the Bible school, but also ask for the book called Baptism, Is It Really Necessary? And thank you for your call. Well, you know, Pastor Carlos, we're coming up on our break. And friends, we see you waiting. Don't go away. We, we're not done yet. We're just taking a quick break. And we'll be back with more Bible questions. Just stay on the line. Our call screeners will get to you. Any Bible-related question, that's our goal, to see what does the Bible say. And we have some resources in front of us. We'll be giving you additional materials that will help you in your study of God's Word. So again, don't go away. And we look forward to more Bible questions. Stay tuned. Bible Answers Live will return shortly.
Would you like to know God's plan for our troubled world and solutions for your life's challenges? Beautifully redesigned and updated, Amazing Facts 27 Bible Study Guides provide straightforward Bible-based answers that are enlightening, encouraging, and easy to understand, giving you real, relevant Bible answers to questions like, how can I have healthier relationships? When will Jesus come? And much more. Order yours today by visiting afbookstore.com or by calling 800-538-7275. Can't get enough Amazing Facts Bible Study? You don't have to wait until next week to enjoy more truth-filled programming. Visit the Amazing Facts Media Library at aftv.org. At aftv.org, you can enjoy video and audio presentations as well as printed material all free of charge, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, right from your computer or mobile device. Visit aftv.org. The last words of Jesus should be the first priority for believers. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And that's why we're so excited to let you know now that the Amazing Facts AFCO program is going to be available around the world through our online course. You'll be able to study this fantastic material on your computer, on your iPad, on your phone, on the go. The course is going to be based upon our best-selling Amazing Disciples book, This 175-page book has 13 presentations, but in the different segments, you're going to get the whole presentation from the actual teachers. You'll have weekly downloads jam-packed with witnessing resources. You can follow the 13-week structure or learn at your own pace. There's interactive lessons included with video presentations. And upon your course completion, you'll receive a certificate. Are you ready to become the sole winner God has called you to be? Enroll now. Visit AFCO.org today. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, where every question answered provides a clearer picture of God and His plan to save you. So what are you waiting for? Get practical answers about the good book for a better life today. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this evening's program, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, let's rejoin our hosts for more Bible Answers Live. Hello, friends. Welcome back. This is Bible Answers Live, as you heard on our intro leading into the second half of our program. If you have a Bible-related question, we'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 800-463-7297. And we are live streaming at the Amazing Facts uh, Facebook page, so you're welcome to join us there as well. And you'll also see the number on our Facebook page. Uh, Pastor Doug is out this evening, but uh, working the phones with me is Pastor Carlos. Doing a good job, learning the ropes. Keeping up. Yeah. <laughs> so we're glad that he's helping us. Um, we're going to go to our very next caller, and let's just keep moving along. We've got a, a number of folks waiting. Let's go. We have Rick from Ontario, Canada. First-time caller. Welcome, Rick. What's your question? Yes, uh, good evening. Hello. Yeah, and your question this evening, Rick. Yes, uh, just uh, it's a regard. Oh, Rick, you there? You there? Yeah, yeah. You cut off for a second. Yes, sorry about that. No problem. Yeah, so it's regarding the Sabbath. Uh, I own a construction company, and uh, we do come across the odd time. Uh, we just recently, uh, within the last six months, I've been watching your programs, amazing facts, and uh, 
we've adapted and have adhered with to the Sabbath. Amen. A lot of my family has, uh, we're no longer working on the Saturdays. Um, so now, but, but the discrepancy is, is that I do have some staff that choose to work on the Sabbath. Um, and I have some sub trades that I don't have control over on whether or not they come in and work um, on construction projects and stuff. And I'm wondering how that relates to myself with it being my company. Good question, Rick. And, and first of all, let me just say, praise the Lord. We're, we like to hear testimonies of folks who uh, have looked at the Ten Commandments and say, wait a minute, there's a blessing here in keeping the Sabbath and, and you will be blessed. Uh, stay faithful in that. With reference to owning a business, um, the Bible principle that we find is those within your gates. Okay. So those that you actually have authority over. So um, if you have a business and you have employees working on Sabbath and you close the business on Sabbath, you know, then the employees wouldn't be working. Subcontractors, that's a little bit different because you probably don't have as much control over them in dictating their schedule. Um, depending upon what the project is. Sometimes the owners will have more say in that. So, you know, in those type of situations, pray for wisdom, ask God to guide you, allow the Spirit to kind of convict you and um, lead you in the way that you want to go. There's not always a clear answer, but you want to do the best you can in keeping the Sabbath for those that are within your gates, so those who are under your jurisdiction, your employees, those type of things. Okay, now in in the event that an employee of mine doesn't have the same beliefs as me and is wishing to work overtime or to come in to make extra money, what do I do in that case? You know, I I think as the owner of the company, if if they're asking you if they can come in, I guess you could say, you know, I would prefer that you work on Sunday and not on Saturday. Saturday is my Sabbath. That's what I have been doing. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah, that's what I have been doing. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you very, very both for all your time and your efforts. It's a great program. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you, Rick, and uh, praise God. All the best for you and your family. Uh, next caller that we have. Encouraging, right? Yeah. Next caller is Brett from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Good evening, Brett. Hello, pastors. Thank you for having Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Your question tonight. So my question is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And basically, I'm... At, I'm seeking wisdom of understanding what it means like are jesus and his angels praying for us okay well here we have the apostle paul let me just read it carlos do you have it right there in front of you why don't you read it for us verse 9 and 10 it says for this cause we also since the day we heard of it do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding verse 10 that you might walk walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasings, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So your your question there is, um, are you asking about believers praying for other believers? Are Jesus and the angels praying for us? Yeah, are yeah, are Jesus and his angels praying for us? Well, you know, Jesus is interceding for us, and um, that's why we pray in Jesus' name. But we need to initiate that prayer. I mean, there's still many blessings that God is good. And God has blessed us. Even unbelievers, God is patient and he pours out blessings on the good and the bad. And God is constantly trying to draw people to himself. But there is a point where we need to decide to seek after Christ. We need to come in prayer. We need to pray in Jesus' name. So there's God reaching out to us, but um, not everyone that uh, he's reaching to will respond. 
God is wanting us to respond. And what Paul is here, Paul is saying, I, I'm praying for you. Colossians. That you might be blessed and strengthened in your walk. And so it's, it's very clear that there's value in praying for each other and telling each other, hey, I'm praying for your brother. I'm praying Amen. for you. You know, what can I pray for? And, and there's, there's power in there. And of course, always praying in Jesus' name. And Christ intercedes on our behalf. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All, All right. right. Great question. Thank you, Brad. We do have a little book. It's called Teach Us to Pray, written by Pastor Doug. And um, we'll be happy to send this to anyone who calls and asks. It's talking about how do we pray. The number is 800-835-6747. That is our resource phone line. And you can ask for the book. It's called Teach Us to Pray. All right. Who do we have next? Next, we have Emmanuel from Ghana in Africa. Hey, Emmanuel, can you hear us? Emmanuel in Africa. Going once, going twice. All right, we might have to come back. We might have lost the, the line there. Give us another call, Emmanuel, and we'll, we'll try to get you in just a bit. Uh, Rick in New Jersey. Yes, um, how are you tonight? Doing well. Thanks for calling. Um, I want to refer to Acts 16, verse 17, where Paul and Barnabas are going to the different cities preaching the gospel. Uh-huh. And the fortune teller, the woman, was follow, following them for days, saying, uh, these matters preach in the way of salvation. And Paul, after a while, became annoyed and uh, called on, on God to drive out the evil spirits from within her, which did happen when she was cleansed. Uh, of course, the, the men who were employing her uh, lost, lost money because they were using her, you know, for profit. Right. But my question is, um, you would think that an evil spirit would say something different than make way for the Lord. These men are speaking salvation. I know that it annoyed Paul and Barnabas because um, she probably wasn't sincere. She was harassing them. But why would an evil spirit say something like that? <laughs> Paul's going to say something like that. That's a great question. You know, we have examples where an evil spirit confronted Christ. And the evil confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus would at times tell those evil spirits to be quiet, and then he would cast them out. So it's as if the evil spirit in the presence of God, uh, in the presence of um, the witness, the gospel, almost needs to acknowledge it. Now, of course, the reason why she was saying that, she was moved upon by the evil spirit. The evil spirit was trying to complicate the work that Paul and Barnabas were trying to do, which was to stir up controversy. And, um, of course, things did break out and um, it got even worse. But it's strange how that here even an evil spirit has to confess the truth. Uh, I don't know whether uh, just in the presence of power and the spirit convicting, but we do we do see that even in the case of, of the evil spirits with Jesus. But it also, it's interesting that it also set up the, uh, what happened from there, from then they were put into prison. And, of course, that's when an angel of the Lord came during the night while they were singing and, and the chains fell off and and they were released from prison from that. So it's sort of set up for that chain of events to happen, which is kind of neat. Yes. I mean, there's a, so many things happening in these missionary journeys of Paul. It's just incredible. A whole book of Acts. But it is interesting that, yeah, even the evil spirits will acknowledge God. And the good news with that is, you know, Jesus said to his believers, to the disciples, that he would give power to cast out evil spirits meaning that the evil spirit would acknowledge who Jesus is. And in the name of Christ, there was power and there was deliverance. Pastor Carlos, you've probably experienced this too. I know I have. 
growing up in Africa and doing quite a bit of work in Africa, we've confronted some folks who were demon-possessed. I mean, fully demon-possessed, the way you, you read about in the Bible, that kind of demon possession. And in times like that, boy, I tell you, you cry out and claim the promise and claim the name of Christ, and miracles occur. I just powerful lives are changed. So there is power in the Word of God. You see the struggle also with a person actually wanting to be liberated. and Yes, the devil doesn't want to let them go. It's a, it's a real battle. It's an amazing experience. As Paul says, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Amen. Thanks for your call, Rick. Who do we have next? Next, we have Brandon from Lincoln, Nebraska, another first-time caller. Hello, Brandon. Hi. Thank you, pastors. Um, I'll try to be quick with my question. Um, I do believe in the Sabbath, and I've had a real hard time turning my life over to Christ. Um, I had a real hard time with alcoholism and drug abuse, and I didn't know if there's any any Bible verse that maybe could help. Or Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked. You know, your, your experience, Brandon, isn't unique. Uh, every person who is convicted by the Spirit and wants to live a holy life is going to face a battle. Just like we said, the devil doesn't li- like to let his captives go go easily. Don't get discouraged. Um, you know, claim the promises of the Bible. The Bible says, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. You go to Jesus and say, Lord, I need your help. And then, you know, don't don't get discouraged if you stumble and fall. Don't give up. Just go right back and say, Lord, I need more of you. I need to trust in you. I need to hold on to you. And what I always encourage people to do is do what you can, meaning set a time every day to read the Bible and to pray. That's something you can do. The Bible speaks of abiding in Christ. Um, Jesus said you cannot bear fruit of yourself, but you can abide in him or abide in me. So we can abide in Christ through prayer, through the study of his word, and then the spirit of God is able to work in us to make those changes that are needed to bring us into harmony with God's will. How do you abide in Christ? Every day. Set some time. You don't have to read, you know, for an hour. Start with just one chapter and spend some time in prayer and just do that faithfully, no matter whether you stumble or fall along the way. Keep asking. Keep seeking. And the promise is God is able to deliver us. Amen. One one thing that helped me, Brandon, is... uh Take Bible verses, Bible promises, and mm-hmm. post them on the wall. And every time you have a battle or a struggle come, look at that promise, pray it. As Pastor uh, Doug preached this yeah. past Sabbath, reclaim the promise, right? Yeah. Know it. Claim the promise. So one of my favorites is Isaiah forty-one ten. Do not fear, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will always help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Put those verses on the wall, and, and, and when the moment comes, hold on to those promises. All right, Brandon. Hey, can we have a word of prayer for you right now? Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, let's do that. Dear Father in heaven, we just want to lift up Brandon in a very special way. You know his heart. He wants to do what's right. He wants to serve you and follow you. But Lord, we do know that we have an adversary and he's going to do everything he can to keep us chained and in bondage to the sinful world and sinful ways. But Lord, we know victory is in Jesus. And so we just want to pray for Brandon that you would give him victory and strength and uh, just set him free, Lord, that he could truly be everything that you want him to be. And we pray this not only for him, but for all of those who are listening. We pray this for ourselves, Lord, that we can be truly, um, completely dedicated to you and to your service. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless, Brandon. Thank you. You know, I have a book we want to send you. Um, If you can remember to call the number, it's 800-835-6747. The book is called The Power of a Positive No. (laughs) Tips for Resisting Temptation, The Power of a Positive No. I think you'll really enjoy that. So call and ask for the book, Tips for Resisting Temptation and The Power of a Positive No, and I think you'll be encouraged.
Who do we have next? Next we have Christina from Sandy, Oregon. First time caller. Welcome, Christina. Hi, thank you. Thanks for calling and your question. Yes, I just have a question about how can I be truly happy in heaven if my kids aren't there? Well, you know, that's going to be... Um, that's going to be a challenge. I think all of us want to have our children and our loved ones and our parents and family, our spouse. Mm-hmm. We want them in the kingdom with us. Uh, and probably even more than we want our loved ones in the kingdom, Jesus wants uh, our loved ones in the kingdom. But God also acknowledges freedom of choice. So we do the best we can to be a witness and an encouragement. And ultimately, you know, our loved ones, our children are going to have to make decisions. Don't get discouraged if you don't see your children making decisions for Christ. Keep praying for them and let the Spirit work. I have experiences. I know people who, um, you know, he wasn't a believer and he wasn't interested in religion, but his mother faithfully prayed. Even after she had passed away, he finally came to the Lord. And, you know, one day in the kingdom, she'll be surprised to see her son. So God does answer prayer. Um, The best we can be is be an example. But, you know, also recognize that heaven's going to be a happy place. Yeah, there might be a few tears that have to be wiped away. Revelation says that God will wipe away every tear from every eye. Uh, There'll be no more pain, no more sorrow. The former things won't come to mind. So those painful memories will uh, be removed. But put it in the Lord's hands. Trust in him. Just give your children to him and allow God to work things out. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Amen. You're listening to Bible Answers Live. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Call us at 1-800-GOD-SAYS. Next we have Dante from uh, here in California. Good evening, Dante. What's your question for us today? Uh, Good evening. Blessings, brothers. Uh, Wait, can you hear me? Yes, Yes, we can. on the air. Okay, sorry. And it's actually Dante, but hey. All right. <laughs> so I, I had a I had a question regarding the apocrypha. I've heard Pastor Doug Batchelor mention it many times, and with all due respect, kind of sounds like with contempt in a sense. And I just wanted to ask about the origins because I've heard that it does originate from. Uh, kind of has like a very shady or seedy place of origin. So I wanted to learn more and see why. Sure. Yeah, the apocryphal books, um, you won't find it in your typical Protestant Bible. Uh, some of the Catholic versions would, would have a cluster of books in, in the middle between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they call the apocryphal. Um, the reason they're not part of the Protestant Bible and not part of the canon is because the authorship of those books was somewhat dubious to begin with, and then some of the the, the ideas presented contradicted established teachings in the Old Testament. So they weren't included in there. Now, there's some good history in the Apocryphals. You can read about the Maccabees and others, and, you know, it's a, it's a historical source. But when it comes to putting them on par with the inspired portion or the rest of the Bible, which is inspired, all scriptures given by the inspiration of God, according to uh, Timothy, um, you know, we don't want to do that. So they they don't really meet the grade for the Bible. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. The Dead Sea Scrolls have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt the Old Testament. So there's no real doubt as to what the Old Testament is. We know the books of the Old Testament. The ones that we have in our Bible today are the same as the books that were read 
in the time of Jesus. When it comes to the New Testament, uh, the ones who um, are found in the New Testament, at least the authors of the New Testament, the condition was you needed to be an eyewitness of Christ. So you'll find all of the New Testament books, and I'll get to Paul in just a minute, but all of the other New Testament books were actually written by those who are eyewitnesses of Jesus or were in contact with Jesus around that same time. Uh, or firsthand, they heard from the disciples directly. Paul is somewhat unique in that, yes, he was a contemporary. He was a- alive at the time of Christ. We don't know if he actually met Jesus in person, but he was especially called by God on the road to Emmaus and then testified by other believers and leaders within the Christian church. So if you weren't an eyewitness of Christ or the apostles, if you weren't Paul, your letter or your book probably didn't make it in the New Testament. And that was the criteria that they used in putting together the New Testament. Does that help, Dante? Uh, Yeah, that actually does. Thank you. All right, great. Thanks for calling. You know, we do have a little book. If you'd like to learn more about the Bible, it's called The Ultimate Resource. And it's all about the Bible. It talks about the origins and different translations. And we'll be happy to send it to anyone who calls and asks. The number is 800-835-6747. That's 800-835-6747. And you can ask for the book. It's called The Ultimate Resource. If you're outside of North America... You can still read it. Just go to the Amazing Facts website, just amazingfacts.org, and you'll be able to read it there on our free library. Okay, who do we have next? Next we have uh, Richard from California. Good evening, Richard. Your question for tonight? Uh, Good evening, Pastors. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, my reference Bible is in Genesis 3, uh, my question, verses 22 to 24. Uh, God makes a statement after driving out Adam and Eve from the garden after they have fallen or disobeyed him. Uh, the statement that he makes, he places a mighty cherub, uh, lest they take from the tree of life, and a flaming sword, I'm assuming to guard it. The question that I have, did God make that statement right there and there when he drove them out? And if so, was it just intended for Adam and Eve or somebody else? Oh, good question. All right, so after Adam and Eve took out the forbidden fruit, it was never God's will that they have a knowledge of evil. God wanted them to have a knowledge of good. But when they succumbed to the devil's temptation, they ate of the fruit, they had a knowledge of evil and all of the terrible consequences that came with that. Um, The life-giving properties that perpetuated the life that God had given to Adam and Eve uh, was found in the tree of life. Had they eaten from the tree of life, if you read the verses, it seems as though they would have lived, they would have continued living. So God uh, separated them from the tree of life, and that's where the angel was guarding the way to the tree of life. The tree of life was in the Garden of Eden. So in essence, Adam and Eve were driven from the Garden of Eden. An angel was stationed at the gate with this flaming sword. It was not only to keep Adam and Eve out of the garden, it was to keep any of their descendants out of the Garden of Eden. Now, we believe the Garden of Eden, Eden was probably on the earth, and we don't know how long, but during the time of um, you have Cain and Abel and Seth and their descendants, the Garden of Eden was probably still there, so they could walk up to the gate, maybe look inside, but that's as far as they could get. But before the flood, we believe the Garden of Eden was removed and taken to heaven. Now, how do we know that? Well, the Bible speaks of the tree of life in heaven now. And of course, there was nothing wrong with the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were sent outside of the garden. And um, I think when the redeemed get to heaven, they will actually get to enter into that Garden of Eden again. And Adam and Eve will, will get to enter in there as well. So it was kind of a memorial for them mm-hmm. to remember where they used, f- where they came from and how they fa- fell away 
up to that time in Noah. So. And probably for their children, they could say, tell us the story Remember? of what happened yeah. in there. That's right. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you, Richard. Richard. Good, good question. All right. Next, we have Matthäus from Georgia. Good evening, Matthäus. What's your question for us? Um, hi. My question is, what should I tell someone who has been baptized incorrectly but strongly believes they have been saved from baptism alone? Okay. Well, you know, I would again direct them to the words of Jesus, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And then we need to allow the Bible to interpret itself. Uh, if we're going to be baptized, we want to be baptized according to the method that the Bible gives, which is baptism by immersion. Now, there's a lot of different views of baptism, and I think that's where if somebody's sincere, wanting to do the will of God, and they're willing to sit down and study, it's not very difficult to show them from the Bible what baptism is. We have examples of Jesus being baptized. He went down into the water, and then he came up out of the water. John the Baptist was baptizing as well. And in the New Testament, we have many examples of people being baptized by immersion. Now, if someone refuses to study, um, you know, you can pray for them. You can be a witness. You, you can't force them. Uh, if they're open and they're willing to ask questions, you can direct them to resources. But um, you'd be the best example that you can be. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your call. All right. Next, we have Henry from the Bronx, New York. Good evening, Henry. What's your question for us tonight? Hey, this is your old stomping grounds, Carlos. New yes. York. Yeah. Close. <laughs> yeah, Henry, and your question tonight. My question is, uh, is, the is the Antichrist here now, or, or, or when will he be released? Because I was told by this, uh, I'm not going to mention the name, but this Jewish Orthodox rabbi, he's leading Jesus Christ. He said the Antichrist is here already. Okay, well, you know, um, I would have to agree with him on that. I mean, I, I don't know if I agree with him as to who the Antichrist <laughs> is, but I do believe the Antichrist is here. Now, the word Antichrist sometimes throws people off. The actual word Antichrist means in the place of Christ. It's not necessarily opposed to Christ, but it could be someone claiming the positions or the authorities that only belong to Christ. And some of those would be the power to forgive sins, claiming worship from others, uh, being able to dictate the conscience of man, meaning telling people how they ought to worship. Claiming, claiming authority to change God's law or to... Changing God's law, claiming the ability to do that. Uh, is there an antichrist power or a power today opposed to Christ or trying to put himself in the place of Christ? Yes. Uh, the Bible actually says there are many different antichrists, so there are different entities and powers, but there is one specific religious power that claims the titles that really just belong to God. And uh, that power is alive and well, and Protestants have identified that power as uh, the Roman pontiff for, for many centuries now, as being in Vatican. So, um, yeah, thank you, Henry. We do have a, a study guide that actually talks about that, and it gets into the very heart of Revelation 13, talks about the Antichrist, and uh, it's called, Who is the Antichrist? And uh, we'll be happy to send it to anyone who calls and asks for that. That's the study guide on the Antichrist. The number to call is 800-835-6747. And again, you can ask for the Amazing Facts study guide talking about the Antichrist. And uh, Pastor Carlos, I don't know if we have time to take another caller because I'm, I'm looking at the clock here. Friends, if we didn't get to you today, um, give us another try. Call us next week. The program, of course, as you know, begins promptly at 7 at on Pacific Coast, uh, call us maybe just a little before that. The phone lines will be open. That way we'll be able to make sure that we get your call on 
the program. So again, thank you for calling. Uh, make sure you call and get those free resources. The number there is 800-835-6747. And we would like to encourage you to take a look at the Amazing Facts website. If you've never visited the website before, amazingfacts.org or .com, it's filled with great resources, both written resources, study guides, video content, different sermons, all about teaching the Bible and helping people to understand the Word of God. And so we hope that uh, you'll take advantage of that. Pastor Carlos, thank you for joining us this evening. And friends, we look forward to meeting with you again next week as we study God's Word. Until then, God bless. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We hope you understand your Bible even better than before. Bible Answers Live is produced by Amazing Facts International, a faith-based ministry located in Granite Bay, California. Find out what the critics are raving about. Top scholars and theologians from around the country come together to reveal the hidden history of the book of Revelation. With powerful reenactments and incredible visual effects, this 95-minute masterpiece brings to life the book of Revelation like never before. Revelation is no longer a mystery. Get your copy today. Visit iTunes or afbookstore.com. Journey back through time to the center of the universe. Discover how a perfect angel transformed into Satan, the arch-villain. The birth of evil, a rebellion in heaven, a mutiny that moved to earth. Behold the creation of a beautiful new planet and the first humans. Witness the temptation of evil. Discover God's amazing plan to save his children. This is a story that involves every life on earth. Every life. The Cosmic Conflict. If God is good, if God is all-powerful, if God is love, then what went wrong? For life-changing Christian resources, visit afbookstore.com. If you'd like to enhance your study of God's Word, visit our website at www.amazingfacts.org and sign up for our free Bible study course. And make sure to check out our online bookstore at afbookstore.com, which offers thousands of inspiring books, DVDs, and more to help you get the most out of God's Word. To take advantage of the offers you've heard on this broadcast, call us at 800-835-6747 or visit our website at amazingfacts.org. Did you enjoy this program? Make sure to tell your family and friends. Tune in next time for more Bible Answers Live. Honest and accurate answers to your Bible questions.